Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, a man wanted for attempted murder on St. Croix turns himself into police. Police kill a gunman during a shootout in Market Square on St. Thomas. Recent testing showed that elevated levels of lead and copper in the potable water distribution system may be unfounded. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. Over the holiday weekend, the Virgin Islands Police Department responded to a potentially fatal incident on the island of St. Croix. We spoke with Police Chief Sean Santos Sr. to get the details. On November 24, 2023, around 10.22 p.m., a female caller uh, called 911 and reported that her ex-boyfriend discharged shots um, at her friend at the vicinity of the um, Value Park gas station in La Grande Princess. The case is still being investigated. However, the suspect in this case is one Mr. Joseph Griot, who eventually turned himself in last night, which is the November 26th. At this time, Mr. Griot is facing attempted murder charges. Chief Santos said officers canvassed the area during the initial investigation. Once the officers went into the area and canvassed the area, there was no other reports of anyone being injured of the shots being fired. Also on St. Croix, a 71-year-old man lost his life in attempts to stop a moving vehicle. On November 22nd, at approximately 10.19 a.m., the Wilbur Francis Command Patrol officers were dispatched by the 911 Emergency Call Center to Estate Little Fountain, to investigate a one-vehicle automobile collision. Upon officers' arrival, they observe an unresponsive man lying in the driveway. Preliminary investigation revealed that 71-year-old Terry Stephen Watson attempted to stop a moving vehicle as it began to roll downhill. The vehicle rolled over Mr. Watson, resulting in his death. On the island of St. Thomas, reports of a robbery in progress escalated when 28-year-old suspect Troy Normill engaged in a gunfight with officers. Assistant Commissioner Mario Brooks gave us details on the incident. Officers re- re- received a report of a situation in the Market Square of Morshans Market. Alleged uh, robbery in progress, shots were discharged. The officers responded. The first officer on the scene called in uh, for assistance. Additional units responded. The subject, based on what we were told, discharged his firearm at the officer, the first officer on the scene, who then returned fire. The next officer arriving on the scene also came under fire and returned fire. At that point, the subject was struck. Based on preliminary reports, uh, circumstances and injuries on the scene. Responding to reported criticism, given the officer-involved shooting, Commissioner Brooks maintained that the department stands by its officers. We stand behind our officers 100%. Um, In light of the recent occurrences, as you can see, for this year, we've had several situations where individuals have taken upon themselves to fire on our officers. Um, We are full support of our officers. They are highly trained. 
uh, and they know their jobs, and we support them 100%. And if, if these individuals are going to take the situation for what it is and engage with our officers, we advise that our officers will, in fact, defend themselves and the general public. At today's Government House press briefing, Director of Communications Richard Mota shared that comprehensive analysis results received late Wednesday before the Thanksgiving holiday revealed that the elevated levels of lead and copper in the potable water distribution system may be unfounded. This finding aligns with initial assessments by the Department of Planning and Natural Resources and the Water and Power Authority suggesting anomalies in earlier data. To find the sources of lead and copper in the water system in those areas identified in St. Croix, the EPA, in conjunction with WAPA and DPNR, conducted sequential testing in early November utilizing the agency's standard protocol. The results, which the EPA shared with the Virgin Islands government Wednesday evening, indicated that all tested sites overwhelmingly reported levels of lead and copper well below the actionable levels and many areas were non-detectable. While some areas on St. Croix continue to experience water quality issues, primarily discolored water due to aging and de deteriorating ductile iron pipes. Mr. Moda shared that a deviation of how sampling is typically done may have been the cause of the initial high readings. The initial sampling protocol, which focused on sampling at the meter rather than the tap to, to evaluate the, and assess the red and brown water, potentially introduced other contaminants into the sampled water. The initial EPA findings reported on October 13th contradicted successful tests conducted by WAPA in September under the EPA protocols, which required testing for lead and copper at the tap. Giving the results, the administration maintains that they will continue to work with federal partners to achieve conclusive data and is also extending the local state of emergency that is set to expire Wednesday, November 29th. Environmental Program Manager from the Department of Planning and Natural Resources, Harold Mark, explained the protocol for the sequential sampling, giving the more updated results. Well, essentially, the, the sequential sampling involves collecting samples from the user's tap and working your way all the way back to the WAPA's main. Um, the sampling that was done in September and October, that involved collecting samples at the, the WAPA meter location for just making some certain assessments in terms of levels that may be found there. Department of Health Commissioner Justa Encarnacion stated that Federal Emergency Management Agency staff would be arriving in the territory today. They've already started with the Unified Command. We, we meet every day at around 7.30 in the morning, and then, of course, our 8 o'clock uh, general staff, um, and they're also on that call. Um, and they were on the call today. In terms of technical assistance, they're looking at how we can actually map the sites that have already been tested. So that's one of the, the main priorities, being here um, and supporting us along the way as well. Commissioner Encarnacion further shared updates from the pediatric lead level testing. To date, our epidemiology team has administered the finger stick lead test to 550 children. Of the 550, 203 were negative and 23 were detected pending confirmation, which means an initial test detected lead and a follow-up venous blood draw was required for the confirmation. As of 1 p.m. today, 11 results of the venous blood draws have been returned. All 11 venous blood draws 
draws return negative or below the level of concern for lead in the system. More results are pending. This week's testing continues at Perby Larson, which is happening as we speak. School of Good Shepherd on Tuesday, November 28th. St. Croix Christian Academy on Wednesday, 20, November 29th. St. Patrick's Catholic School on Wednesday, November 29th. Church of God's Holiness School on Thursday, November 30th. The department continues to make its hotlines available to residents. Residents with health concerns related to lead exposure and testing may call the Department of Health's hotline at 340-712-6299 or 340-776-1519, and that is from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. The Department of Planning and Natural Resources also operates a hotline at 340-514-3666. 340-514-3666 for water sampling concerns. For information, visit cleanwaterusvi.com. During our interview with Virgin Islands Republican Chairman Gordon Ackley, he called on conservative Virgin Islanders to join the Republican Party to combat what he says is the one-party system in the territory. Well, I, I believe that most Virgin Islanders are conservative, and, and it's obvious if you look at the, the voter rolls, there's approximately 20,000 registered Democrats, and the second largest party in the territory is no party, with approximately 13,000 voters in the no party. And these are people who are politically active who are not satisfied with the Democrat Party. And so there are people in need of a party, and I believe that we are the party for those people. Despite recent discord in the Republican Party, he maintains that the Republican Party is the voice of the people. You know, the Virgin Islands functions better when you have two voices. And I'm not saying that, you know, we're 100% correct 100% of the time, but we represent the conservative side of the viewpoint. And I really believe that overall the Virgin Islanders people lean to the conservative side and that, you know, we are the voice. You know, we're here. We do listen to you. And instead of being no party, you know, I welcome all of them to the Republican Party. You're listening to the WTJX newsfeed. According to documents unsealed by the U.S. District Court, two men have been charged in the 2018 murder of hurricane recovery contractor Derek Cribb on St. Croix. Enoch Cole and Giovanni Smith are each charged with first-degree murder, use of a minor in a crime of violence, use of a firearm during a crime of violence resulting in death, discharge of a firearm during a crime of violence, and interference with commerce by robbery. Smith is charged with one count of tampering with evidence after he attempted to destroy a Jeep Wrangler in attempts to keep it from being used in the investigation. The arrest comes five years after 33-year-old Cribb of North Carolina was gunned down in an armed robbery at Castaway's Bar and Restaurant in Estate Solitude on the east end of St. Croix. In 2019, Cole was found guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced in 2022 to serve 30 years for his conviction of murder, assault, and robbery charges for the 2015 murder of 73-year-old Augustus Bannis, the retired pastor who was beaten to death in the vicinity of the David Hamilton Jackson Park. While Cole was initially jailed after his arrest, prosecutors and his defense attorney agreed in 2018 that Cole could be released after posting property to secure a reduced $100,000 bail. 
he was ordered to remain under continual house arrest with electronic monitoring during Cribb's murder. Smith is still facing first-degree murder charges for the 2020 shooting death of 19-year-old Selena Chatole, who was gunned down while driving in what police said was an apparent case of mistaking identity. According to VI Superior Court records, Smith is scheduled to go to trial in that case on March 4th. During a Senate Committee on Education and Workforce Development hearing, senators learned of difficulties restaffing courses at the Career and Technical Education School by Ms. Joanne Murphy, chairwoman of the Career and Technical Education Board. She also requested that funding be made available once again for the job training programs for high school students. While engaging with Department of Labor Commissioner Gary Malloy, Senator Franklin Johnson wondered if federal grants weren't available to fund the job training programs. The Department of Labor used to be able to get funding from the Casino Commission to fund its JAG program. And so, for example, uh, we used to get 50% of the cost of the program in education and labor. And we are the only state in the 39-state JAG network that paid our JAG students, Job for America's graduate students, stipends when they go out on their on-the-job trainings. What has happened since education is not receiving that funding, they're now trying to enroll more of their students in JAG to, to, so that we can now get them more involved in getting the stipends. So we're working with education as well to do that. Commissioner Malloy explained that another issue they faced was that the legislature had defunded the program. This body has changed the legislation, so the funding that used to come for labor for the, from the Casino Commission no longer comes to us anymore, so we don't have that funding. The other account that we get funding from, the transition, is a transitional account that fund get fund from that's coming from the ammunition, and that the growth of that fund was substantially reduced because of another appropriation out of that fund was done. That funding used to come for us to provide transition funding for 11th and 12th graders to provide stipends to them. So we're all going to be very challenged with the numbers as they grow. But the goal is to provide the opportunities to those young people and to be able to have the funding to be able to do that. The Virgin Islands Association for Independent Living seeks to help Virgin Islanders with disabilities gain independent living. During a Committee on Culture, Youth, Aging, Sports and Parks hearing, Monique Butte, the Executive Director, reported to Chairman Senator Angel Bolquez that their operations are being impacted because they struggle to find a new rental facility they can afford because their current rental is plagued with mold and the landlord maintains it's not his responsibility. The AC unit is ours um, that has mold in it too. Yes, we have called several times, but nobody has come and checked it as yet. There's mold in the floors, everything, he says, everything inside is ours. It's our responsibility. We're, so. we're talking about, and I hope they're listening because we're talking about a community here that needs our assistance and has a right to have adequate access. A measure sponsored by Senator Alma Francis Heiliger put forward during a Government Operations, Veterans Affairs and Consumer Protection Committee hearing could cost taxpayers $10,000. The bill seeks to honor Virgin Islands veteran Kendall Emmanuel George, 
who died while serving in the Vietnam War. Virgin Islands Veterans Affairs Director Patrick Farrell, however, urged lawmakers to support the measure. As we consider naming Route Number 107 from Coral Bay to Lamshore Bay, St. John, the Kendall Emanuel George Drive South, we will be embarking on a significant tribute to a hero whose bravery echoes through the archives of history. The appropriation of $10,000 to the Department of Public Works for signage at the Kendall Emanuel George Drive is a small yet impactful investment in preserving the memory of a true Virgin Islands hero. These signs will serve as a daily reminder to all who traverse this route, prompting reflection on the sacrifices made to ensure the freedoms we hold dear. The measure was voted upon favorably and will be forwarded to the Rules and Judiciary Committee for further consideration. The Community Foundation of the Virgin Islands recently announced the newest location in their Free Little Library initiative. We spoke with President of the Foundation, D. Beecher Brown, about the program. CFBI has shepherded the Little Free Library program in the territory since um, 2018, following the storms. We had some donors who wanted to help just lift our spirits. And one of the things that the CFBI, CFBI did was we adopted the Little Free Library programs. Having seen it in other places and knowing that it was very consistent with CFBI's efforts to uplift the the enjoyment of people in the territory, and also to assist in some ways to advance literacy for our community. To date, the territory has 12 little free libraries across the territory. But during the COVID-19 pandemic, the libraries were not stocked with books, but Mrs. Brown says they are now stocked and back on track. We're really excited about adding a new little free library. And we're hoping that by making the community aware of the new library in Al McBean Park, it will also spark some thoughts about other organizations, businesses, individuals who feel that they would like to sponsor a little free library in their, at their business or in their home or in a park or in other communities. There are things where Um, homeowners basically have a little free library at the foot of their driveway. So it's something where we really would love to have as many little free libraries um, populating our islands as possible. The grand opening of the Alvin McBean Ballpark Little Free Library is scheduled for Saturday, December 9th at 10 a.m. The event will have light refreshments and a reading time. For more information, visit cfvi.net or call 340-774-6031. You are listening to the WTJX News Feed. Vendor applications for the Children's and Adults Festival Parades on St. Croix will be accepted Monday, November 27th through Friday, December 1st. Applications can be picked up and dropped off at the Records Bureau at the Wilbur Francis Command Police Station or the Rainbow Operations Building from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. For more information, call the command station at 340-778-2211. As we continue in the news feed, we turn now to our regional report. Over the weekend, the U.S. Coast Guard Station and Customs and Border Patrol apprehended 12 stowaways in a tugboat that was being escorted in San Juan. To get the details, we spoke with Ricardo Castrodad, Public Relations Officer for the Coast Guard Sector San Juan. 
Saturday morning, our Coast Guard Station San Juan patrol boats, surface assets, were conducting an escort of a tugboat, the Saradan, that was towing a barge into San Juan, Puerto Rico. During that patrol, they noticed uh, people uh, on board the barge. Our patrol vessel notified our watchstanders at Sector San Juan, and we coordinated our sector boarding team to get on scene and go on board the barge. Once they're on board the barge, they realized that there's nine stowaways aboard the barge, one of which was unresponsive. Although he was breathing and had vital signs, uh, he wasn't responding to, to our uh, boarding team. While conducting the search, officers learned that three other stowaways had jumped into the water in attempts to escape. Of the three migrants that were reported to be in the water, uh, we activated our search and rescue response uh, with additional surface assets, uh, coordinated to get a Coast Guard helicopter on scene and notified our other partner agencies, uh, CBP, the U.S. Border Patrol, and local law enforcement. Two migrants were able to swim to shore and was apprehended in Punta Savinas, located in the western side of the San Juan Harbor. One other migrant um, was located by our Coast Guard station surface boat, and they were able to, to rescue him. At the end of the day, all the stowaways were placed in custody under the Customs and Border Protection, the U.S. Border Patrol. Following the, the entry of the vessel, our boarding team did a, a pier-side boarding of the barge to ensure that there were no other additional people hiding inside the vessel. Investigation is being done to determine where the migrants originated from. But Mr. Castrodad said incidents like this are on the rise. We've had this activity uh, happen a couple times this year where vessels are transiting near the Dominican Republic and smuggling organizations may know of this and they may try to take the opportunity to see how they can meet up with that trajectory of those vessels and, and try to, to get people on board those uh, moving barges. Um, they may appear to move slowly, but um, that's not Really, the case, once you're next to these vessels, um, it's quite a dangerous evolution to try to get on. You know, highlighting how dangerous that is, uh, I, I can't highlight that enough. And that's one of the reasons uh, uh, we escort some of these vessels as we see it um, that try to come in, you know, the understanding that there may be a possibility of stowaways being on board. Virgin Islands residents can anticipate some sun and rain this evening and into tomorrow. Meteorologist Eric Weglars has the territory's weather forecast. Here's a latest look at the short-term forecast for the Virgin Islands. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. Mostly sunny skies continue this afternoon at St. Croix. There's the chance for a shower near sunset. Temperatures will hold in the lower 80s, winds from the east at 10 to 15 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, there's the chance for a few more showers towards sunset. Mostly sunny regardless, with highs in the middle 80s, winds from the east at 15 to 20 miles per hour. Clear skies are expected tonight. Area-wide, lows will fall back into the middle 70s. At St. Croix, winds 
winds from the east at 10 to 15 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, a bit more breezy. Winds from the east at 15 to 20 with gusts as high as 25. Tuesday features a few scattered showers under mostly sunny skies at St. Croix. Temperatures will reach the middle 80s. Winds from the east-northeast at 10 to 15. And at St. Thomas and St. John, we'll also find mostly sunny skies. Chance for a few showers later in the afternoon. Highs reach the upper 80s. Winds from the east at 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts only as high as 20. More showers expected on Wednesday area-wide, though still sunny. That's the latest look at your short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Quaglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. Be sure to download the WTJX app, and if you missed a part of our news, you can listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>